I want to read today from the Gospel of Mark uh, in the uh, fifth chapter, uh, two stories which are interwoven, uh, which conclude the chapter. The chapter began with a visit that Jesus made on the other side of the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Most of his ministry, of course, was in Galilee, the Jewish area to the north and west of the Sea of Galilee. But then on the other side, uh, to the east of the Sea of Galilee, in the, what's called the Transjordan, was a Gentile region. And he went across the sea to this Gentile region. It was called the Decapolis. Ten cities. Decapolis. Ten cities. And they were retirement communities. Sponsored and made available and provided for by the Empire for retired members of the Roman Legion. A lot of people say that Sun City in Arizona was the first planned retirement community in the world. Forget about it. 2,000 years ago, the Romans were doing this. And so legionnaires, those who survived, would retire to these communities. And they were from all over the empire. They weren't, most, most of them were not from Italy or from Rome, but from all over the empire. And they would move there. So it's a multilingual, multicultural, multi-religious, pluralistic environment. And we know this uh, to be true from this, own, this story itself because they raised pigs. There were a lot of pigs. So Jesus went across the sea to the Decapolis. And when he got out of the boat, he was encountered as they went by a place of burial for the dead by a man who was afflicted in the image of the time by demons. Today we would say this person was mentally ill, had brain disease. But it was thought that he was possessed by demons. And so he called out to Jesus, accusing him of coming to afflict the demons who possessed him. We know who you are, the person who was mentally ill said. We know that you are the one from God. And so sure enough, the one from God, Jesus, drove the demons out of the man and into a herd of swine. And as they were inhabited by the demons, they ran to the edge of the cliff and threw themselves off the cliff into the ocean and drowned. Thereby, it was better to drown them to be possessed by a demon. So the pig farmers said, uh, you can go now. Don't hang around anymore. And so they sell Jesus to leave, and he does. But the man who had been freed was freed by Jesus' ministry to him. He goes back to Galilee, and then when he arrives, He's greeted again by a big crowd. This is what you see in the Gospel of God. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd waiting for him. Oh, oh, I'm almost done. Okay. I got a three times three, but I don't know what you're talking Where am I? Oh, yeah, okay, where am I? I'm in chapter 5. Okay. So, chapter 21. First 5, chapter 21. When Jesus crossed again by the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the edge of the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, who was named Jairus, came to him and saw Jesus and fell at Jesus' feet, beseeching him, pleading with him to please come. My little daughter is at the point of death, he said. Come, Rabbi, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so, 
Jesus went with him. This is the great thing about the Gospel of Mark. It's a tremendous economy of words. Jairus pleads, beseeches, and Jesus goes. So a large crowd followed Jesus and pressed it upon him. Now, in the crowd, there was a woman who was suffering from beverages for 12 years. She had endured much under many positions and had spent everything she had seeking a cure for her affliction. She was no better. In fact, she had grown worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said to herself, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. She reached out, touched his cloak, and immediately her memory stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that the power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about of the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? The disciples responded, Well, you see the crowd pressing in on you from every side. How can you say, Who touched me? Dozens have touched you. You see the crowd pressing in. He looked all around to see who had done it, and the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and trembling fell down before Jesus, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. You took a leap of faith. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. <clears throat> Did you ever read the book Cutting the Stone? It's a novel about a physician in Ethiopia uh, working with and transforming the lives of women and their families, women who had been subjected, subjected to female mutilation, female circumstances, genital touching, which creates a terrible fistula, which continues to ooze and emit un unremittingly, um, and ruins a person's life. And this surgeon, whose life was devoted uh, to closing the fistula and healing the women, uh, I always think of this wonderful book, Cutting the Stone, when I hear this story about how so many ways in which our lives somehow seem rent, and then we just begin to ooze, and how we yearn for healing, for some kind of respite, some kind of release, some kind of relief for what, I afflict, what afflicts us. In this story, it, the active agent is not Jesus. Jesus is passive. He's just walking by. And she says, if I touch the hem of his robe, I will be healed. She is the active agent. It is her faith. That's what he says. Your faith has made you well. I didn't do anything. In other places in Jesus' healing stories, he does a lot. He touches people. He lifts people up. He takes dirt and spits in it, makes mud, and puts it on people's eyes. When that doesn't work, he wipes off that dirt and picks up more dirt, makes more spitting, puts more on. It's very active, but here, it's the woman whose faith 
courage that made what she needed, which constitutes the turning point in her life. We have to ask ourselves all the time, what is it that I really need from Jesus? What, what do I want, you know? You know, I want to win the lotto, whatever it is. I mean, this is fooling. God doesn't provide what we want. God provides what we need. That's the faithfulness of God. This is why the Bible is very clear that the defining attribute of God is not power. The defining attribute of God is faithfulness, as we sang at the very beginning. Great is your faithfulness. This is what distinguishes the God of Israel from the other gods of the ancient Near Eastern religions. God is faithful and cares most especially not for the high and mighty, but for the low and the powerless, and is faithful to the promises that God makes. So we pick up at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the home of Jairus, the synagogue leader, to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the rabbi any further? Overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Trust me. So Jesus then allowed no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of Jairus, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing wildly, loudly. Then he entered, and he said to them, why do you make all this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him, and they, he put them all outside. He took Peter and James and John, and then the child's father and his mother, those who were with him, and they went into the room where the child lay. Jesus took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, it's Aramaic. Talitha kum, which means little girl, wake up. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. With this, Jairus and all the household were overcome with amazement. Jesus strictly ordered them that no one should know this. They should not reveal what had happened in that room. And they told them, he gave her something to eat. I love this last phrase. They told her to give her so much. She was up, she was well. It's only everyday caring and compassion, realistic. Jesus uses, well, spoke people, Aramaic, all the time. That was in a sense, his mother tongue. Uh, he also spoke Hebrew, of course, that's the language of the synagogue, of the scriptures and of prayers. He was also undoubtedly conversant in Greek, which was the language of the empire. Uh, he knew three languages. If you speak three languages, you're what? Bilingual. If you speak two, you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're an American. That's right. Okay, the ancients, we think we're so much smarter, the ancients knew three languages. If you meet a person who's been to high school in East Africa, they will know a minimum of three languages, probably four. Their mother tongue, 
the tribal language, Kiswahili, which is the lingua franca of East Africa, English, and then almost certainly another European language. And we think we're the smackers. So he says, Ali Hakum, get up. Little girl, get up. Wake up. There are several other places in the Bible where Jesus uses Aramaic on the cross. And when he says, Amen. Amen. Which is Aramaic and Hebrew, which means truly, it's true. I affirm it. I state that this is truth. Talitha Kum, get up. Jairus didn't ask Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead. He asked Jesus to heal his daughter <coughs> so she wouldn't die. Despite the fact that the girl has already died, Jesus doesn't say, well, I'm not going to continue on my journey. He continues on the journey because he's going to respond to what the father needed. The father, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, like the woman with the hemorrhage, had the courage to ask. This is essential in our relationship. Have the honesty and the candor to sit back, reflect, recognize, and name what we really need. What do we really want from Jesus? What do we really need? And then ask for that with faith. Well, what, what do I want? What do I need? Knowing that very often what Jesus will do for us is not exactly what we ask. Because God will know better our needs than we know ourselves. It sounds. So what do we need? Where are you hurt? Where is your heart from? What dreams have gone up in smoke for you? What afflicts you. What brings you down to the depths? What is it that you need that Jesus can do for you? And you have the courage uh, to ask for it. You have the courage of the woman and Jairus who beseech Jesus for help. Ask having the temerity to believe that what you need counts. To know that Jesus, become aware of the fact that Jesus is aware of you and your need. Amen. Okay.